Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Hey, everybody. Tim Wright here, along with Dr. Michael Gurian. Uh, and uh, my two dogs, they're joining us for the podcast today because in the last podcast, they were outside the door screaming, wondering if everything was okay. So now I've let them in the room and they'll sing for us today as we go along. So we're joined by our dogs. Uh, we have two dachshunds, by the way, for those of you who are wondering. Michael, you have a cat, right? We have we have a cat and we have a red fox lab. So it has kind of a reddish fur. It's a mm. lab. So yeah, we beautiful. do have a dog, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, today, we're going to ask the question, if you've got a child who is a negative Nelly, can you help her become a positive Polly? And um, we're going to see, or a negative Ned, a positive Paul, we're going to talk about, can we actually shape the attitude and outlook of our kids? And uh, Michael's going to talk a bit about brain science research on that. Uh, this is another question that we have from our Wonder of Parenting Facebook page. So if you are uh, on Facebook and you want to join that community, just type in Wonder of Parenting and you can uh, join. As soon as you uh, hit the join button, I get a notification to let you on in. You can also send questions to us, by the way, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, where we have a form you can fill out and you can send questions to us that way. So um, let's talk a little bit, Michael, first of all, about Man Cave. And one of our sponsors, and then we will talk about our other sponsor and get to the question. Okay, yeah. Man Cave, we're so thankful for the sponsorship. Uh, this is, as we have established, this is Man Cave is an acrostic, not an anagram. Um, uh, M-A-N-C-A-V-E, men need to be caring, actively engaged, vested, and encouraged. So it's a nurturing father's program um, founded by Marion Hill and his team in Phoenix, um, but it's it's nationwide because of Zoom. Uh, so things like fathering in 15 minutes, 15 topics in 15 minutes, um, very supportive of fathers and families. So go to wonderofparenting.com and you're going to see Man Cave there. And then you can click the PDFs and it shows you what they do and how you can access them. Um, so thank you to Man Cave. And also um, I want to do a special plug today again for Toby Baxter. Tim's book, The Adventures of Ter Toby Baxter, which is just out. And um, uh, this would be such a sweet thing, you know, for fathers to read to read with sons and sons to read back to fathers and fathers and sons read. Of course, moms can, but I'm just thinking of the context of fathering. Um, Tim's book is a coming of age novel 
for young readers and but fun for adults. I I loved it. Uh, so it's the Adventures of Toby Baxter. Um, you can go on Amazon and get it. And Tim, have we put it on the Wonder Parenting page yet? It, it is there as well. Yep. Oh, great. Yep. Okay, go to Wonder yep. Parenting. You'll see it there. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate that. And of course, Dr. Greg Jantz, our longtime sponsor up there in Seattle, the Center of Place of Hope. Encourage you to go to wonderparenting.com. Check out the great work and important work they're doing. Anytime you're in crisis, that's a good place to start. So, Michael, here's the question for today. Uh, is it normal for kids to be like, I hate life? My son is six and a half, almost seven. He's in first grade. His natural personality is of a complaining glass half empty attitude. As much as I try to enforce the positive side of things and have a good attitude, it seems that's just his innate nature. His dad, my husband, is like that too. And so that's where he gets it. I'm a glass half full person who, by the way, they drive us glass half empty people crazy, right? <laughs> uh, I'm a glass half full person. And so always look for the good and positive reason for everything. That's my nature. So it's hard for me to see my son, especially, and my husband having what I interpret as a bad attitude and complaining. Anyway, though, that's the background of my son's personality. Because of that, he will sometimes say he hates life or that life is stupid, mainly when things don't go his way. Last night, he was saying he wished he didn't even have to come to this life and just wants to go to heaven. And um, so they talked a little bit about heaven together and what that's like. And of course, why it's important. Uh, life down here is important as well. Um, but essentially, her big question, Michael, is um, I know kids can rant about hating life at times when they're mad or whatever. But at what point should I be concerned about a really negative attitude and maybe get some help? So let's talk. Uh, your, just your initial thoughts from a brain science perspective. Can you change or influence a child's attitude or is it innate? It, it, it's both. Well, first of all, it is innate. Um, she's she's right that um, especially to she's got the dad, he and the son have the same personality. So that that particular set of markers, right, um, have passed to the son. And so he has that personality if she doesn't mention in trauma anywhere you know so so we want to say to people listening that if if their child has gone from being positive kind of a positive or you know even child or however they want to define that and now the last month or two or three is suddenly become really really negative now that could be a show that the child has gone through significant trauma and we want to figure that out um but in this case uh, she makes it very clear that he is set up like his dad. So it's passed on genetically. Okay. So to the second part of your question, we, we want the child to be who he is. Right. And we know why he is who he is. Uh, but, but at the same time, it cannot hurt. Uh, and it's very helpful that the other parent is, a, which as she just finds herself as a very positive person. That's really great because it, it can't hurt at all to say to this child, okay, you know, this is a part of your personality, but here are good outcomes if you'd look at it this other way and to start to kind of, um, which I'm sure she's been doing it for seven years, but to keep trying to train him, you know, to see the positive also and to see himself in the positive light uh, here on earth, not in heaven, but here on earth, you know, um, because some of some of this personality um, while it is genetic, 
you know, this can lean toward depression later. Uh, you know, so uh, we, it's not a wrong instinct in us as parents to try to connect this child with the good and with the light and not with the darkness. And, you know, how everyone wants to say that um, here on earth. And what I like um, with kids is to help them see positive outcomes. So, you know, if you think this way, look at this positive outcome you got from that. And uh, then they're connecting it to an outcome. They're connecting it to action and outcome rather than us just saying, stop being so negative, right? Because uh, we, we're going to say that, of course we are, but but is that really going to foment change in them? Uh, not, you know, maybe a little, but it's generally going to be they see a positive outcome. And then as they are growing, um, you know, he's only seven, he's six and a half, almost seven. So some of this, you know, he's going to mature and go through more positive experiences, see the world in a more positive way. So some of this he'll mature a little bit out of, and everyone will be helping him. Um, and then the other nice strategy that I like for this personality is to make sure that the parents and the caregivers are helping the child to be self-aware when he's complaining. Because that that particular thing, complaining, which generally becomes whining, that we want to parent out of the child. Um, because because whining behavior ends up detracting from adult life, right? It ends up detracting from maturity. Uh, so to the extent that he's complaining a lot and just complaining, that I think would be the other thing to attack. Uh, to go, okay, this is your personality. But, you know, I don't want to hear any more complaints from you about your sister. Uh, do something about this. If you don't like that she's uh, taking your toys, do something about it. So we're getting oriented away from complaining and back over to action. And, you know, that at least keeps him out of the cycle of just complaining and thinking that that is action uh, because complaining is not enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, and we're going to, obviously we're going to keep on this topic now, but I, I do want to, uh, ask the question, are there ways to tell if your child is depressed versus negative thinking? Uh, because sometimes, yeah. you know, you can, a child will say, I hate life because they're a complainer. Sometimes they'll say, I hate life because they're depressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, it is the first thing that hit, hits me when I read this, you know, I, of course, I'm, I'm going to be trained to wonder if the child is, is depressed from what they described. I don't know that this child is uh, just because the dad was like this and the child's developing through that template. But 
Uh, but yes, if you definitely could could worry that the child is depressed, and if and especially if the child has developed this personality, like I said before, in the last few months, you know what I mean? Uh, okay, and then the child could be moving into depression. Um, this maybe isn't the child's original personality, or it's a kind of a tributary of the child's personality, but it tails along with depression. Um, and this would be especially true if there's a change from when the child was like birth to eight and nine, and then nine, 10, 11, or birth to 10, and then 11, 12, as hormones are hitting, as adolescence is coming, as there are new challenges, if the child's getting depressed, and maybe the child has been through some trauma now too, uh, then maybe this is is an indication of depression. Uh, so it's really wise of you to bring that up. And if anyone is worried about that, then definitely want to get, look at that. I would say if the child is isolating, has this yep. negative personality and is isolating, you know, going to their room and isolating from everyone else, then, okay, probably depression. doesn't seem like this child's doing that. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's what I was thinking too. Isolation, never wants to get out of bed, all those things that right. you sort of look for in depression right. along with that negative attitude. You know, I was, I was sort of joking when I said people who have glass half full drive people with the glass half empty <laughs> crazy, which is, which is kind of true and vice versa. Uh, our daughter uh, naturally seemed to be uh, the one who would see things negatively. And every night before bed, Jan would say, all right, three things that you're happy for today, three good mm-hmm. things that happen. Um, it, you know, to just try to help her at least before she goes to bed, see a little bit different than what she'd been seeing all day long. I know that Martin Seligman for years was well known for his book on learned optimism mm-hmm. and um, that there were actually things that we could do to train ourselves to see life differently. So how does that work in relationship to the brain that may be wired a bit more to be negative? Does learned optimism does that work in your mind? And if so, how does it? Yeah, that's the, uh, uh, I'm going to, that's kind of what we were talking about yep. with the, uh, like redirecting, redirecting to action, seeing the positive outcomes of actions. It's sort of, it's sort of like that. And it's also attitude. It is also saying, okay, have a positive attitude. Um, it's, it's also saying you see, you see this negative is going to occur but I see this positive is going to occur and then comparing notes after, you know, it occurs, whatever the denouement is comparing notes. And very often the positive thing happened. And so um, the person who was optimistic turns out to be right. And then that's, that's years and years of modeling for this more negative kid, you know, Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. You know um, uh, uh, because like Seligman, you know, what we don't want is the learned helplessness, the helplessness. And sometimes this right. personality type moves into that. And I think Seligman was really wise in, in saying, oh, let's not get that. Let's, let's teach them optimism. <laughs> yeah, my gosh. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, something happened outside probably. Uh, so, you know, dogs are very important to fam- part of the wonder of parenting, right? <laughs> For those people who like dogs, I I have a funny thing on dogs is uh, our dog. We've had dogs all most of my childhood. And then while we were raising our kids, we had dogs. But when our last dog, Sadie, died, she was a black lab after 13 and a half years, she died. And I said to Gail, OK, come on, we're in our 60s, you know. Do we really need to get another dog? And and uh, but Gail is a total animal lover. So uh, 
the answer was yes. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to have dogs the rest of our lives. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, um, well, speaking of optimism, actually pets, <laughs> this is, I know I seem like I'm being random, but I'm not. Um, pets can sometimes be a really neat tool yeah. to help kids be, you know, sort of more loving and empathic and optimistic. Okay. So I want to give myself as an example and then, and then if I haven't answered that totally about Seligman, bring me back to it. I want to give myself as an example. I, I did have child abuse, sexual abuse. I had a really difficult right. time and I was a negative kid. I was a kid who acted out and, um, there was, you know, my, my mom's personality type was really negative, but on her personality as well, there was the search for joy and it really was there. And I found that in my adolescence, I was acting out a lot. I got in a lot of trouble. I did a lot of, you know, bad things. And, um, but as I got into therapy and as I started, you know, really working through the trauma and started developing a more mature adult life, I actually became more positive and I am much more positive now. So the more resilient I became and am the more positive I am. And, um, and one of the ways I do that to protect the positivity is I don't let in a lot of the negative. Um, so like I, I spend very little time on social media, you know, um, et cetera, et cetera. So for what that is, if that is useful to the parents of a child like this, this child didn't have the trauma I had, but you can help the child to develop more positivity by helping the child to see where joy is and get that joyous outcome. And if that is in faith, if that is in actions, if that is in books, if that is in the island of competence that the child develops, because this child is seven, this child's going to be good at something. The child's going to be getting joy at doing those things. And then if a parent points it out, look at the joy, look at the joy, right? And you did it and all of that. And so over the years, you can affect this negative child. You really can. And I'm I'm a living example of going from very negative toward more positive. One of the things that I was um, talking with with our congregation a couple of weeks ago uh, was the topic of anxiety. And of course, anxiety has uh, sort of skyrocketed uh, since COVID. Uh, people just anxious, they're stressed. And one of the symptoms, so to speak, uh, and it's always chicken egg, symptoms and or causes of anxiety is this negative what if thinking. Um, you know, what if uh, I she doesn't like me. What if I don't pass this test? Uh, what if the kids in school, you know, make fun of me? And it's, it's sort of uh, adds to that, that layer of pessimism that, um, we, we sort of program ourselves for worst possible outcomes. And that really, we do have, uh, within us the opportunities to sort of rewire some of that by rethinking, um, our thought processes. And that's part of what you're getting at is helping our mm-hmm. kids reframe uh, a situation. And, um, you know, a simple one. Well, what if the kids at school don't like me? Well, what if they do? Wouldn't mm-hmm. that be great? Mm-hmm. And to start looking for positive outcomes, which is not easy for kids who uh, maybe are, are wired a bit negatively. But um, it, it sounds like what you're saying is, yes, it may be a bit of an uphill battle for kids who have a natural inclination for negative thinking, but there are ways to change their thinking and more fully engage them with a well-rounded view of life. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Um, I remember years ago, we would sometimes have these conversations um, with the optimists and the pessimists. You know, and the pessimists are always, well, I'm a realist. I'm a realist. I'm not a pessimist. And uh, the optimist, well, I'm a realist too. And I just expect everything to be great. Uh, so, you know, teaching our kids these things uh, is really helpful. So what are some practical ways that we can rewire or redirect the way that our kids think? And how, how do we how do we sort of catch them in the act of the negative and then move them into a more positive way of thinking? Okay. That, yes. Uh, let's be really practical and let's use an example because you just said you just set it up. You said, "What if the kids don't like me?" Right. Yep. Let's let's like deconstruct that with our child. Okay. So first, what if the kids don't like me? Would be okay. Is there a reason they don't like you? Is there a way mm-hmm. that you are acting with them that puts them off? This is going to move it to action. You know, what am I doing? Move it to doing. What am I doing um, as uh, to make them not like me? And then let's say, well, no, there's actually nothing I'm doing. Um, uh, you know, they they don't like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, parents can still say, well, you know what? Who you are is is fine, actually. And you don't right now, you don't need those two kids there that you've targeted. You don't need them to like you. Um, and so then it becomes the so what? So what if they don't like me? Mm-hmm. I, I'm still fine, right? And so there's positivity there. Um, so the kind of the kids not liking me is covered both ways. It's covered through action. If I need to change the way I'm approaching other people, that's something I need to do so that I can have friends. So that's 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 good. That's good for me to be thinking about as a 12-year-old, let's say. Um uh, and in the cases where, you know, in the cases where uh, who I am is fine, I don't really need to change, then I'm positive and I just will be patient and I will wait for the next set of friends who will like me for who I am. And all of that is conversation between adults mentoring kids and helping kids to understand their own personalities, who their personalities will fit with, you know, and who that won't fit with. And so it takes it out of the generalized negative and it, it uh, focuses it and as much as possible focuses it on action if actions are needed. But if there are no actions needed right now, okay, then it focuses on self and core self and a positive core self and, uh, and patience. Uh, and you can apply that really to anything. So I use, what if they don't like me? You can apply it to, I'm not going to do well on this test. I'm going to fail this test. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You can apply it. You can say, okay, well, what have you done to make sure you don't fail? Have you done all the work you need to do? Okay. If the answer to that is no, well, then that's the action. Need to do more work. The If it's yes, I've done it all, then it becomes, okay, so what? You know, so I failed this test. Let me take the pressure off myself because I've done everything. And so what? And of course, the child is not going to fail the test, right? That what the child is doing is relieving the pressure and we're helping the right. child leave the pressure. The child has done all the appropriate actions. And now 
we're, the denouement is going to happen. Fate is going to happen. And the fate is going to be more positive than the child thought. So then the fate is more positive. And then we say, well, you look, look, you know, uh, look, you have friends now and look, you pass this test, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it can apply to any situation. Normally, the pessimists are the ones we look at and we say, that's got to be fixed. Um, nobody wants to hang around with Debbie Downer or Donald Downer. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we, we, we just get tired of, of people who are always negative. But are there some downsides to someone who is overly positive? Oh, sure. And where we might need to sort of tone back, um, you know, the brightness of their optimism. Yeah. Well, okay. So you're absolutely right. It's harder to be around negative because it pulls yep. us down. Whereas when we're around optimistic, it's, it's uplifting us. Um, but they're, they're the, you know, they're the negative can be, let's say can be when the person is always so optimistic that like he or she is not helping us mm -hmm. with our situation. Like if I'm a 13 year old child and I come to my parent for help with specific things going on, you know, that are in the negative, you know, that I actually need help to reverse, to help me figure out how I should act better or what I should do. And the parent is just always optimistic. Then the parent isn't really helping me. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, so yeah, it's easier to be around the optimistic. There are less faults, let's say in the optimistic because there's less damage potentially done by optimistic people uh, in their relationships with others in nation states, you can do great damage by people being optimistic. Like, you know, uh, I'm Jewish and the Jews did terrible damage by continually being optimistic and then just getting put in camps and slaughtered. Right. Right. I mean, my relatives were, no, oh, everything's going to be okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Well that window got broken, but you know, I'm, we're going to be okay. And now mm. we're in a train car and no, we're going to be okay. And now we're in a concentration camp and now we're slaughtered. So yeah. in nation states and in larger context, too much optimism can be dangerous. But in relationships, like in family relationships, you know, it's more likely the optimistic person is going to uplift um, unless that person is not willing to get down in the weeds with us. Right. And, you know, sometimes we got to get down in the weeds with our kids. Yeah. yeah I think of that um, as someone who works with people in grief uh, from time to time. Um, you know, they're really grieving and they need to grieve and that's healthy to grieve. And, uh, you know, that optimistic person will walk in and say, hey, it's going to be fine. You don't need to cry. Um, you know, it's a part of the circle of life. Well, yeah, okay, that may be true, but I still need to grieve, right? right. I can't just pass over these really healing moments. And um, so, but, but I think we both understand that it's probably harder to turn a pessimist into an optimist <laughs> than it is to get an optimist to tone down a little bit. And again, we don't we don't want our kids moving through life constantly negative, um, believing the worst, because that will have some sort of negative, so to speak, impact on their lives overall. Yeah, yeah, and and there's a you're absolutely right. And my message to both the heavy optimists and the heavy pessimists is, okay, try to redirect your thinking, your feeling toward what do you need. To, for other people, when you are with other people, whether you're, you tend to be very negative, whether they tend to be very positive, uh, like your example of the very positive, right? That optimistic person sh should be saying, if they're going to be helpful, they should be saying, what do you need? 
Mm. And then you are going to be uh, coming out with, you know, especially if you trust this person with what you need, what you need is to grieve. And then, oh, you need to grieve. And then you're going to be able to talk about the loved one. And that's going to then take go on a journey about, and that's going to help with your process. And that's kind of why we're here on this earth, whether we're very negative or very positive. Um, ultimately, in relationship, we're we really need to train our kids to try to serve. And and so so also for the very uh, down guy, for this guy who says, you know what, I, I hate my life. I want to go to heaven. Uh, we got to train that guy also to say, mm-hmm. when you're in relationship with someone else, why don't you ask them what they need and see if you can help them? Mm. And so, uh, you know, and and I got trained in asking, what do you need? I trained, Gil and I trained our children in asking others, what do they need? And it doesn't, doesn't mean that our, our children didn't have, develop a self. Each of our right. children have strong selves. Um, it's just that they could step out of when they're being very negative or very positive, they could step out of it and always remember there's an action. And that action is what do you need? And then that leads to a cascade of other actions. And I, if I could add anything to this, to this beautiful family, they're a beautiful family. It's just keep training this guy when he gets in relationships with others to just ask them what they need. And that, you know, add that to what the parents are already doing to help him to be more positive. And it, it, maybe that will give him some direction. That's that's very good to take it off of ourselves sometimes, put it on to others. And I when we serve others, when we help others, of course, it releases all those few good uh chemicals in the body as mm-hmm. well, which are healthy for us. So well, Michael, this has been uh, as always really interesting and appreciate your insight. We appreciate the people Thank asking you. questions. Uh you can ask your questions on Wonder of Parenting uh at uh on Facebook. And you've got a whole community of people there who like to respond and share their insights. We'll pick up some of those questions from time to time for the podcast, or you can go to wonderparenting.com where you'll find links to our sponsors, resources, and a place to ask your questions. So we will be back with you again next week. The Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Michael. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, everyone. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft. Made with Tencel, it's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.